welcome back to the TLU podcast. My name is Kat. I'm your host today and we are going to talk about lifelong learning. The concept of lifelong learning here in Estonia, um, I guess it is easy to understand that lifelong learning means learning throughout one's life. But what does it really stand for? How deep does it go? Where is it, where is it coming from and why is it such a popular term nowadays? We have asked uh, two experts on the topic to join us and share their experiences and opinions. Well, without further ado, let's get started and uh, here is a short introduction. The concept of lifelong learning came into active use in Estonian educational policy after 1996 which was designated by the Council of Ministers and the European Parliament as the Euro European Year of Lifelong Learning. European Union lifelong learning policies have had a major influence on understanding the concept and terminology of lifelong learning. Lifelong learning is a form of social behavior. It is a continuous process and enhances educational, social and personal choices, as well as personal and social relations. Higher education and universities provide the groundwork for lifelong learning. I will introduce our guests and then I will give the floor to you to give some comments. So let's welcome in the studio Trin Rosalu, an Associate Professor of Sociology and Tallinn University Lecturer on the subject uh, Meanings of Lifelong Learning. Welcome, Trin. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your connection with lifelong learning. Hello, I'm really glad to be here. Uh, and um, when uh, I was listening to your introduction to the theme, I was thinking, I was going back to 1996, as you said, the year where uh, this uh, was coming more strongly to the policy agendas. Uh, so my first um, um, interaction with the term actually happened around uh, 99, 2000, and uh, from a totally different perspective. So I started uh, studying um, uh, work organization. So I was back then studying business, and uh, and uh, and I was interested in new ways of organizing work, new forms of work. And, uh, and there, uh, the new forms of work meant there was different kinds of flexibilities compared to before. So now suddenly you got uh, flexibility in time, flexibility in place, you could carry out your work outside of the office. And there was also a term functional flexibility. So uh, from, from looking at it uh, from this perspective today, we can say that this is uh, the possibility of the employer to make more uses of one person at the labor market at their job, but also, of course, for that person to be able to use their, their knowledges flexibly around different jobs. So this, this understanding of, uh, of this functional flexibility came together uh, with the ideas of uh, actually to get someone be functionally flexible, you have to train them more, you have to teach them more things, and they have to be able to learn those things throughout their lives and working careers. So this was my my first interaction with the, with this term, and uh, and then uh, it opened a whole new world for me, and uh, and ever since I've been studying this field. 
Amazing. Thank you. I really like the um, uh, the term flexibility here. I, 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 see, I see the connection and uh, we are very happy to have you. Thank you. And our second guest, Pira Tiedas, an uh, adult educator, Tallinn University lecturer and lifelong learning practitioner. A little introduction. Welcome, Biret. Yes, welcome and thank you for uh, inviting. I was uh, maybe doing the similar journey back uh, that Trin did uh, because I, I also reflected back uh, when I first kind of was introduced to the concept of lifelong learning and I remember when I studied adult education, which is my background, uh, then we started to read the first articles on, on lifelong learning. And then I remember it was also around 99, 2000, and I was thinking, is this going to be our future? And how does it really uh, look like? And, and there was this image how, how we really learn until we are leaving this Mother Earth, let's say. And, and it felt such a such a, I don't know, aspiration that um, felt like a very far, far dream or aspiration. And, and I think it's interesting to think that now we are sitting here, we, we talk about it. And as you said in the introduction, it is, it is a word that we use almost the same as you go in a shop and buy a bread. Uh, and of course, maybe the understandings are different, but somehow I would say even the, the simple idea of being a learner and, and doing it continuously is something I would say that many people would uh, agree, at least here in Estonia. And of course, we have to be mindful that contexts are very different also in terms of how, how much learning, um, for example, formal or informal settings is actually accessible to people all over, I don't know, the world or, or even maybe some places in Estonia, which could be marginalized things. So... Uh, yeah, and I, I would say that learning is such a big part of me. So I'm, yeah, I'm just curious where this conversation will lead us and what insights we will get out of it as well. Exactly. I am hopeful that it's going to be a very exciting hour for all of us. And um, yes, I guess we all have very different understandings and even our own definition of lifelong learning. So that's why I would like to start from defining it and I'm just going to read you here one definition. Lifelong learning is the ongoing voluntary and self-motivated pursuit of knowledge for either personal or professional reasons. Therefore, it not only enhances social inclusion, active citizenship and personal development, but also self-sustainability as well as competitiveness and employability. So this is a definition that is coming from Wikipedia. Um, just because I guess this is the most common place where you go um, to find information, googling it. Um, so what do you think about this definition? Is there something missing? It will just give you a little input. Like for, for me, it's somehow s sounds like really trying to relate person to society and make it a functional um, part of society uh, or even a citizen but the the side of this like self-empowerment and self-actualization which is um, for me it, it's very important 
I uh, I don't I don't feel that it's so important maybe in this definition. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, sh shall I shall I start? So uh, the, those kinds of definitions always uh, bring up so many thoughts. Uh, it, it was uh, really good that you pointed out that uh, that it's unclear how this. Uh, personal uh, growth uh, aspect is in this whole uh, definition uh, because it ties it all like it's a very instrumental thing to study because you want this, this and this thing, either yourself or the society wants that from you. So, so this is one of the dangers when we use uh, the lifelong learning as a concept, as if everyone has to do it to be useful or to be more useful to the society or for the labor market. So this is one of the drawbacks if we only look at it from the, from the, uh, from the very narrow point of view. On the other hand, when I was uh, 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 listening, the, the beginning of this definition says uh, that this is a voluntary pursuit and very self-directed pursuit. Now, does that mean that anyone who studies uh, when they are motivated from external motivations, motivators, everyone who studies um, somehow without fully volunteering because maybe their employer re requires that from them or they are required to do it to be part of un getting unemployment benefits. So, so in this sense, is that not lifelong learning if, if they are also studying so so this uh, really gets uh, uh, gets this uh, really high hopes up to our uh, volunteering uh, uh, in our life so uh, so I don't think uh, as a sociologist uh, now here I don't think we are like totally free in choosing whatever we would choose and and that uh, even if we feel at some point that uh, that this is something that totally comes from me and my internal motives it's maybe something that uh, there are norms in the society there are norms coming from maybe employer as I said um, maybe my parents say it maybe I want to be better uh, 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 example for my kids so so there may be so many other considerations uh, it's it's good if we can think of it in a way that we can um, really convince ourselves that uh, this now is something that I do entirely for me, and uh, and I think uh, also that these other people who don't feel this is their voluntary pursuit are also engaged in lifelong learning, even if they are made to do it. So so we shouldn't maybe restrict it. But but even more interesting question for me is: Are those who are not participating in lifelong learning also doing? Uh, their role in lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. So can you be involved in lifelong learning without consciously understanding that, that you are part of it? Or maybe you're taking some role in lifelong learning, even if you're not yourself uh, uh, experiencing this this learning. So maybe others try to compete with you. So they try to be better than you because now their positions are better. So what does it leave you with when you don't get to this, uh, uh, be part of that system? So if we force everyone to be part of lifelong learning or to, to acknowledge their learning all the time, it can be empowering, but it can be also a burden. So, so, so how, how am I part of system if I decide to not be part of the system. And when does it start just distracting you because you feel that you need to keep on learning and you're maybe not even good enough if you don't? So, so I'm just wondering, Trina, you're also, also saying that there may, maybe there are some hidden, uh, how to say, hidden forces, the invisible forces actually, that uh, even if, if I'm not like actively part, but, but yeah, as you said, that 
narratives around us or norms or what what is being spoken about or how uh, how is behavior emerging then underneath actually could be like a hidden hint that if you're not learning then three dots you will be i don't know left behind you will not get these benefits etc so so i guess there is this this critical aspect that is always there like who's who's uh, yeah whose story is this life of learning learning which i think has been with me like who is directing it and i think that's uh, that's a big question mark because uh, I, I think Trin, you can tell more about the history of, of the terminology. But I think if, if you read even some of the basic documents, I think there is, it's still a, a big invitation for this uh, time we are living to uh, to support uh, I don't know capitalistic worldview to make sure that we have good workforce uh, or d democracy as such that yes equal rights. But uh, but is it is it really? working uh, uh, to uh, reach these aims uh, as well. Uh, so I think there's always uh, different streams. I think society as such, organizations, uh, yeah, uh, workforce, and then there's this individual learner because at the end of the day, it's an individual who learns. And, uh, and yes, where does this tribe comes, come from? Is it pure self-motivation uh, and directedness or is it... Yeah, somehow still influenced by the hidden hints from from things around it, and and, and I guess it's very difficult to to say what is what is what, but but maybe this awareness and, and having a dialogue and that gives that perspective. Definitely, I already love where it's going, but maybe to get more uh, clear, maybe we can talk about this um, like historically. Where is this term coming from? Um, I think there there is um, uh, there is currently. A, I think there's now some agreement that uh, that the term uh, initially referred to possibility to make up for the lack of education. So it was kind of starting from the uh, from empowering uh, people who didn't get their formal education level or, or they didn't have chances to go to school or didn't complete their schooling or did get less education, like didn't go to university level, even if they did go to the previous levels. So just uh, to to kind of empower them and uh, and also from then uh, of course there were economic and and social agendas back back then it's it's one thing is to empower the people who might have been uh, left uh, behind uh, but also if we need everyone's efforts, then everyone should be uh, having certain skills so that they have unique skills so that they can put them to work uh, for the society's good. So, so, so initially it was, uh, it was more to draw the attention to the fact that your studies don't end when you first uh, exit the education system. Because this, uh, this is often, so you leave the education system at some point in age. And then uh, if we talk about formal education system, then uh, we are so used to here in Estonia right now that, uh, of course, you can choose to go back in two years later and, uh, you know, continue your high school uh, studies or, or go back to university or go to university later in life or then finish your uh, uh, studies in, in university and later go back to vocational education. So these options are uh, to participate in, in formal education as adult. We're not really there in most, uh, in most environments, in most social contexts. Uh, and and, and in, in other countries, many of them are still not opened up uh, to uh, having adults uh, being part of the formal education system, so the only way there there is is uh, is this uh, learning uh, through non-formal education and training and 
and and this can be directed by employers. Uh, but if the employers are themselves not doing it, then the people are not employed. So so then there was this concept of uh, lifelong learning kind of developed around thinking about what does it mean, what is needed. And so the policy agendas uh, that later uh, luckily came to be tied with this theoretical idea, I think it's still luckily, but uh, we'll, we'll see. So uh, so they uh, they did uh, really have this, this instrumental take. But if we really go back to way more in history than this this idea of uh, you know learning and you know enlightenment by learning and by knowing new things and being curious, uh, which uh, which is this much less um, structured way of thinking about learning. I think this uh, this idea that uh, that you can. Uh, you can get more about the world and about yourself by learning is is, is really not uh, uh, just uh, from the uh, you know the coming with the invention of the term of lifelong learning during the uh, during the 20th century so so of course it started with adult education and adult learning and then grew into okay it's lifelong learning so lifelong learning as as a process like uh, this has been coming up uh, uh, a lot that it's not um, an ending of some kind of education it's uh, it's a learning process till till death like do we still have the importance on the outcome here or we just need to focus on this process what are your takes on that like outcome, like finishing something, getting something done for yourself or like some, yeah, check some some kind of paper or just like a milestone, whatever, something that like it could be motivating for you to, to collect them or like w w is it important? Why is it important? Maybe you clarify what you mean by outcome in this. Yeah, I guess it depends who, whom do you ask. <laughs> but, um yeah, I guess uh, we talked before about this uh, inner motivation. I guess when you're more inner motivated, uh, then this outcome is not important. Uh, I can also, and, and I think that's also problematic in terms of uh, formal arrangements, let's say. Um, I, also, as part of my education, I, I, I've studied also nature tool guiding more than 10 years ago in a, in a vocational school. and. And uh, we had around 20 people joined and, and most of, and I, I would say all of them like very inner motivated uh, learners. For them, process was more important than outcome as, an, as a certification, for example. And uh, out of, I think we are 20 uh, within uh, required time frame, uh, I think four or five got the certificate. So from a learner aspect, perspective it's not problematic because you learn you still know that 100 birds uh, from Estonian nature and and you can tell all your friends about it but I guess from the school side it's it's uh, maybe a failure I don't know how, how they consider that that time that they they cannot show the numbers or they cannot let's say deliver enough so that uh, you get the outcomes so and I think it's still even nowadays especially I think what is uh, specific to Estonia is that really like adults can take 
so many different courses and and as you Trine said like go to vocational school which is very uh, very popular and uh, I have a friend who recently also was doing a program at a vocational school and and she was really like uh, having this dialogue like should I go for the final exam to finish it or, or not and then then I was really encouraging her to do it as well because she was capable of doing that uh, but I think it's this thing that oh, you you have got you got all the learning, so so why you need the certificate uh, can still be there. So so I think this number of adults who are actually fulfilling, let's say, the program, like if we talk about formal program, then uh, then I think for some of the schools it's quite problematic. Uh, but then I also think it's a lot about uh, maybe rethinking the design or student engagement and and things. Are, at the back, uh, but it's behind there as well. But uh, for me personally, taking part in several educational endeavors <laughs> in my life, I I enjoy the process and the outcome hasn't been important, but I finished all my schools I started, <laughs> just to be sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, this is, it's, it's a really good uh, question in the sense uh, uh, from from whose point of view is that the problem? So really, I mean, there may be learners who feel very anxious if they don't really complete, if they don't get that feedback that now I got the result. It can be a small skill that you that you learn. You 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 want someone to tell you that this is now there. You now have it. You can now go with it and and tell everyone you have it. So 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 there may be this this anxiety level in a person. Uh, in terms of uh, you have to prove all the time in the labor market you want to compete you want to you know show off and and then you need those those things and so uh, this is this is uh, this external motivation the anxiety is internal but can be externally motivated too uh, so like from from the teacher's uh, point of view or teaching point of view or, or learning uh, um, uh, support point of view uh, it's it's really interesting. I I don't mind students who just uh, go go to school and come to study, don't do their homework. I I like that they are still there. They are engaged. I know they don't get all the same things that the other students do, uh, but uh, but I like that they're curious. They want to be there, so I know they are engaged. So so th there's there's this interesting thing, as you said. This is not necessarily even a problem for that person who teaches, even though it may be sometimes because it's difficult to plan the study. Uh, but uh, but it is problem for how we measure the the goods of education. So it's problem in the end for the school and uh, for the budgeting reasons and for the state. Even though for the society, it's probably really good to have people even going somewhat to 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 those uh, those schools without getting uh, the specific uh, outcomes. But there is something, of course, uh, that, that has been going around now for, for a while, and, and I think, guess this becomes uh, also more important, is uh, how, how do you really show that you have the skills that you have? This, uh, this need for being validated because of the competition in the labor market and, uh, and uh, you know, getting rights to, to apply for something. So you have to show the track record of having this or that skill. And what I see more often is that, um, that, uh, that there is some, some expectation uh, from, from, from everybody that you have 
have a paper to prove uh, or, or that you are able to come up with a paper to prove. You can, you can say what you did, what, when you did and, and, and you, can, you can really show it. Uh, so, so this is uh, this is something that uh, that is interesting as a, as a tendency that we can come up with papers for for like single skills. I think this will be more something happening in in the future. Uh, but also as part of it, um, I see that uh, sometimes there is a lot of workplace learning going on. So on the job workplace uh, learning, uh, and uh, this there's usually no actual practice of uh, really recording all the learning that you did on your job uh, and uh, and maybe you did learn actually many new skills uh, during your time there and there could have been another person in a different company or in your company who did the same job but didn't learn all those things so later your uh, your CV will be equal but you actually have so many more things uh, behind you and there's no one who would know it because you never thought about that to highlight what your skills are, your new skills, there's actually no way to to sh to let it show, and 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 you don't know that the other person doesn't have those skills or or doesn't have this experience behind them. Now, of course, maybe there are so many situations where it isn't important, but I think in some cases it would be really also empowering the person if they understood that oh, actually now I have this thing, and these other people don't have this thing. So, so so to actually have the labels gives you also the possibility to celebrate a certain milestone. And, and I think uh, uh, we, we may be really bad at uh, celebrating pro processes and we might be a little better at celebrating those milestones. And I think in Estonia, of course, we should all get better in celebrating anything. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but until we get to celebrating just processes, we should give ourselves more chances to celebrate milestones. But how do we do then that these papers, uh, these labels work for us, not that we work for, for them? And this thing that we talked before about uh, self-directing, like who is directing our life, who is directing our learning, how to then be self-directed in this lifelong learning journey? I guess from, from an, on an individual aspect, uh, I think that is a skill to be learned. Uh, to be self-directed, and and I guess uh, uh, that is uh, yeah that is a skill to be learned. Uh, especially, I think this has been one of these uh, let's say weak points or or hidden uh, spots, uh, like uh, during COVID time, how we suddenly discovering that our children at school uh, are maybe lacking uh, the skill to to be self-directed learner. And I guess uh, there is something that, uh, let's say, formal education can can be a lot of uh, helping around. Uh, uh, but even like when adults come to university, then then it can be problematic. Although I see less and less of it. I, I've been uh, teaching at the university since 1990 uh, or 2006, and and somehow I think this level of uh, I don't know curiosity and self-management has has come so I don't see it such a such a problematic at the university level but but uh, of course the learning groups are also so so different and I and I then I can also bring an example that I've been working with school leaders and and there was one school leader who said once in an informal meeting that when when we invite them to reflect on their experience or whatever they're learning from uh, from something then he just said that 
he doesn't know how to do it. And he's maybe around 45, 50. And he's a school leader who's a school principal who should be an example for self-directed learning, for example. And in a way, it comes as a surprise. And then it's like you also have to be empathetic because he hasn't learned it at school or, or, or he hasn't had this experience uh, where, where his kind of self-directed drive has been able to blossom, which I think it's, it's there. Uh, and then comes this dance, like, how do you, yeah, like, step by step, give this more space for the learner, because what is behind your question is, like, it is you as a learner who, who becomes at the core, teachers, facilitators, whatever, they are just supporters, but, but then it's your active part, your proactiveness, uh, which can also be very uh, just exhausting sometimes, because then, then you are maybe... Uh, taking too much responsibilities or, or, or want to learn everything, which can also be that you go from one course to another without really integrating it, because I think that's also a very important part, how you integrate what you learn. Uh, in, in your own everyday life, I wouldn't even say that you integrate something only here or there, because I think learning is so much intertwined and also the, what, the knowledge skills that you get you might be surprised what you learn uh, about nature can be useful when you work in an organization with teams, for example. So, so I think this ability to, to make connections and see how whatever you learn is somehow connected with your life is, is, is maybe what's, uh, what's really at the uh, center of lifelong learning as well. Yes, and I really like also the saying that we're not learning, we're remembering. So in a core level, like everything that you're interacting with, you, like in some level you already like know it, just this remembering comes. What do you think about that? It's almost like we are like downloading, I guess, a lot, like every single day. But, but, it's, but I guess what we download, the question is like when when whatever you have downloaded becomes meaningful. I think that, that has, there has to be some, some nudges or some experiences when suddenly you say, oh, here now I know why this learning has been important to me. So I think there has to be some kind of interactions on, or, or nudging where, where you kind of realize that, oh, here's this, uh, this insight that now I know why I have learned it, although I might have done it maybe 10, 20 years ago. So nothing is wasted, that I'm absolutely sure, that, uh, that whatever you learn, it's, it's not waste. In, in nature, there is no, not such a thing as waste. So even maybe when we don't, uh, we cannot always like value in terms of money, but it's never waste. Like in, if we think about a learner or a human person in a learning process, it's never a wasted time or a waste in the most broader sense. If if we uh, go back to this uh, self-directed uh, learners and uh, and it really started also th with this understanding that uh, adults are more able to and are more likely to be the the self-directed learners and and not the other people. I mean, of course, if you ha go to university, you just have to be told what you have to learn because uh, there there is this uh, structure and you have to understand everything. And and this, uh, if, if you think about the earlier understandings of what the learning is at all, then this uh, self-directed 
started from adults who were more able to question all the practices that they saw, all the teachings, because they had something to build it up on. Uh, and uh, and now, of course, we take it quite uh, uh, quite calmly that, of course, we expect it from the students that they are able to self-direct themselves to do the learning uh, over the COVID uh, time, even in uh, in, uh, in in smaller grades uh, at school. So you have to be able to plan plan your day and and kind of assume that this is something that is uh, really uh, there for every learner. But then we also may um, end up not noticing that this is not generally not just a skill that one hasn't yet developed, but the skill that, you know, maybe some people are, I mean, it is much harder to come by for them. And so, so if we assume that everyone is able to do this self-direction in their learning, then we will be actually again um, missing out uh, as a society because we have disempowered those who can't really do that, uh, who are not equipped or, or who couldn't or who just yet cannot. So so we tend to put the blame on the individual for not going to go to learn and, you know, understand what you should be uh, now taking as your next step. But uh, but we don't have the means to, to support, to provide those uh, those uh, those contexts. I think uh, uh, there always has to be uh, the side from 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 us, the environment, to the person who is uh, up for learning or stays out of learning. Uh, that uh, that there is a choice. You can do the self-directed learning, but if you are more comfortable in experiencing the processes without yourself setting the goals, then you should be able. To get also those experiences, I think, and we should value those experiences because you may still be able to learn. And of course, uh, I'm talking uh, here. Then, I, I guess this is um, something that almost every employer would believe is a good thing to say. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't have to self-direct yourself in your learning all the time. Just you know, make sure that you know those hygiene rules or some other things. <laughs> it, it, it's it's very. I mean, it's it's really when when we interview people who work in the in the in the supermarkets and yes for statistics sake i'm sure they go through trainings of different sorts every year but i don't think they value very highly all kinds of trainings that they are supposed to go through uh, uh annually so uh, or or every three years in terms of what the understanding of health or food safety is now of course we want everyone to be delivering food safety at the at the supermarkets but uh, but to to have the person really feeling that this is my self-directed possibility for learning, that brings us to the point uh, that uh, everyone probably needs something, uh, uh, some sphere in their life where they can do the self-directed stuff and maybe it's learning. Uh, so uh, if we talk about uh, uh, this uh, this other concept of life-wide learning, so one is lifelong, so you learn throughout your life new skills and stuff, but life-wide meaning that you learn different things at the same time in your life. So so also when we when we discuss uh, young people who do go to school, but then they also go to hobby education outside of school, or they are part of youth work experiences which is outside of school. So this is just widening their access, and and there's maybe the context where it is more natural to develop this kind of self-direction. And uh, and I guess the question is, uh, 
when do we stop having those uh, uh, those contexts or or hopefully the adults will realize those other contexts besides their i don't know employment or formal education where they may feel less empowered to do the self-directed learning but there can be the alternative hobby education or you know you go to the choir or you do this these other things which actually make you enrich your life and understand uh, understand yourself uh, now outside of those labor market identities which maybe are not so favorable so it's also this you know not everyone has to do every learning in self-directed way and it's still lifelong learning so they're still part of that i guess this is just my my problem with this uh, this initial definition from wikipedia <laughs> this life-wide learning is is very interesting concept but um how could we then like prepare students for for these life-wide, lifelong learning processes, and what are the skill sets they they need? Um, like we talked about uh, this um, self-directedness, self-efficiency, but what else are like a good skill set to to start exploring more widely? I don't know if if it's it's, it's that very problematic. That uh, that um, I guess we are just. Now living in a time where um, I think there's so many different ways of learning. Maybe that's also one thing that that uh, lifelong learning. Uh, maybe initially, it's it was also very much connected with formal education, as as also Trin uh, said. But but now I think the contexts are so wide and so different. And uh, I I I would say maybe one one day, yeah. The sources of learning are are so uh, so wide nowadays. So uh, I don't know. You can spend a year traveling all around the year world, and maybe not now, but uh, but hopefully also in the future, and 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 learn so much uh, out of it. So so I don't think it's it's so yeah something to worry about it because life is changing just so quickly, and I think we are witnessing it uh, for the past year that when when we have stretched our ways of knowing and uh, sources of knowledge. Maybe that's a constant challenge as at the sources of information are so many, like what is, what is a good source of information or who is your teacher or, or how do you find your teacher, for example? So what what is credibility or accountability? Uh, because suddenly it feels like everybody's a teacher, for example, and or there are hundreds of courses online, for example. Uh, so I think that's becoming now, like maybe now we are witnessing that the pool, it's it's like when you go in a shopping mall that suddenly you have so many things you can learn. And, and in Estonia, luckily enough, many courses are for free thanks to different funds, for example. But it also means that we, we, we don't know what to choose or how to choose. So maybe that's uh, difficult that I don't find my my way or my source uh, very, very quickly. And then I just uh, drop. So it's it's the same experiment that has been done when there are like, I don't know, 20 different uh, jams uh, in the shop in, uh, compared to six uh, jam uh, bottles. And, and when you are looking at it, then you don't buy out of from, from these 20. The less you have, the better, because out of six you can choose something. So I think this this matter of choice maybe becomes an an issue. And, and I guess if we look from a higher education perspective or university, I would say that it's it's 
I think that the more engaging and meaningful is their learning experience here, then they are more likely to continue or, or come back and uh, or or find their way. It's, it's what kind of inspiration we can uh, live here. And and for me, the main um, I think if if all of our graduates would be curious about life and themselves, then. I think that's what you need for for any kind of learning to uh, to pursue in your life. And um, but also in so many ways, learning at uh, <clears throat> at higher education uh, isn't really fully able to capture the principles of, of of all the learning if you don't become aware of them. So so if if there would be a way to just uh, um, uh, get. Uh, get people, students, um, acknowledge all their learning and, uh, as you said, reflect on this, uh, this learning and, and, and maybe also think about uh, why they're doing it. Because like, very many people actually don't have a good answer to the question why they're doing it. So, which could be, I mean, people think that this is part of the self-directedness of the learning, that you're able to set your goal and you know why you're doing all that. But, uh, you know, just uh, to show those the, the ways that you can reason about your learning and uh, and 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 really maybe for you it works that you know that this will increase your labor market value and competitiveness and and this this is very important for you and then you know in the future we will show you all the uh, all the paths that you can take so that you can continue and uh, and uh, and this is this labor market competitiveness as an idea is definitely something that People keep saying this is uh, this is important, and uh, this actually generally gets acceptance as as a legitimate reason. Um, but I also would like to highlight those other things you said in in the beginning that the definition has as being a good citizen or or you know being an active citizen. So what does it really mean? So what does it mean to be an active citizen? What do we want from you if we want you to be an active citizen? Uh, what are those those things? So so that there are those different spheres in your life that you can legitimately develop yourself and and maybe just not even develop yourself because who wants themselves to be a project to to really develop and then there should be some some end game aim like you know when do i feel that i'm really developed and uh, and, and so that is that is really also a problematic thing so so just to be open in understanding that there are those possibilities also as you said maybe be able to choose and uh, and be directed to be supported in, in choosing. But this whole sense of uh, agency may also be too much, as you said, the responsibility that I have to go through it. So the responsibility that, that I really have to choose or else, I don't know, these opportunities are not there in the future or, you know, I can't uh, feed my kids or... Uh, my creativity level is not enough for this society because this is another thing now. We we value the art education because uh, then we get more creative people, then we get more innovation, then we get again more uh, growth in economy and uh, and and so so everything. My creativity even so the, the, uh, is is um, is being a tool. So so just uh, uh, if you know that those things can happen, then maybe you are not so. Uh, really attacked by them if uh, <laughs> if they happen. So 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 you get to be aware, 
and then you get also to let it loose and and you don't punish yourself or other people for not participating maybe in all those lifelong learning opportunities because you understand that there are other ways that people learn and it doesn't have to be non-formal education and training it doesn't have to be necessarily going to school it's really about how open you are and how curious you are but it's more about how open and curious a society uh, expects you to be and allows you to be, because I think this is this is one of the problems that uh, we know that kids before they go to school are really open to learning all the things, and once they go to school, they become tired of learning and their curiosity level goes. So, so I I think this happens so much in life. So I don't think we should put extra burden on our students in you know, show us your plan for the next 20 years of learning or, or 40 years of learning so that you could really do it. But uh, but acknowledging what there is and, and accepting what there is is sometimes also a good a good enough way. And, uh, and of course, um, I would like the, the, the support uh, to be there, the institutions to be ready, the schools to be not uh, targeting just only uh, the the outcomes in terms of uh, who got the diploma, but but also there there is a question: if a person who did go to university just one year did actually get more than the person who did graduate from university compared to what they would have not been getting if they didn't go to university at all. So 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 what is my comparative? So what what am I comparing it with? Uh, the, Maybe we are doing really good stuff if uh, people don't want to graduate. But how can we then like keep this curiosity and um, get more aware of these opportunities to learn throughout, I don't know, your day? Like how can we somehow as a society, through institutions, how can we support that? For me, learning is such a everyday things so it's it's difficult to answer <laughs> but I, but i guess uh, one thing that i've noticed uh, especially now with uh, the past year where my work also has been moving for example online then i invite my learners to create uh, uh how to say pay attention that you actually create uh, space and time for learning that like Nowadays, when we are in Zoom, for example, you, you come, I don't know, two-hour session or, or one-day session. It is a deliberate choice to do that. And what I then I also mean that when you are, I don't know, as, as a, I don't know, maybe you are self-employed or you are working in a session, then it means also that there is a dedicated time for that. So if we get holidays, then you also have a time and place where you are learning. You, you really take it especially when when you go for a courses for example of course everyday life is a big learning ground that uh, definitely is, is there but but it's also a deliberate time to do it and in terms of curiosity i think it's always uh, there uh, and 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 then it i think it it needs also personal attention and time again like like what triggers you and what nudges you and uh, I also done a number of uh, podcasts on with creative people, and what I've discovered uh, by listening to their stories is that quite often the source of crea- creativity has been in their childhood. So suddenly, they 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 remember something from their childhood, a story. So maybe those who are still don't really know what are they curious about could also be that uh, that they 
try to really remember what they liked to do really in the childhood or what they were curious about, uh, what they enjoyed doing, and, and maybe see if they can follow some kind of learning trajectory tra based on that, for, for example. Uh, and, and, and really, I think, think about it. I think it's also a mental process. What am I curious about? What really brings me alive, for example? And then follow it, especially when it's also something very different from what your friends are doing or what everybody else is doing. Uh, so just try to follow your path and go for that and dare to do, even if you're an adult. So I remember, so I was uh, living in, in Netherlands uh, around uh, after I graduated and I managed to uh, do a traineeship there. And I came back from, from Netherlands and I was so amazed by Estonian nature. And, and then I was asking myself where I can as an adult learn about nature. I remember some maybe book trees that I learned, but I don't remember that anybody taught me about nature around, although I, I lived in the countryside. And I just became curious and I started to talk with different people around it. And it led later to, for example, study nature tour guiding as a way. So, so I think it's, it's just ask questions from yourself. What are you curious about? And as I said before, there are so many different places where you can learn from, whether online and uh, hopefully soon offline and books, uh, etc. And, and this sense of uh, curiosity, one, the need to be trained. Uh, as an adult, we tend to lose it uh, because of formalities, uh, life expectations towards us. So I think you just train it every single day. Simply by when you, I don't know, after listening to this podcast, when you walk home, you try to notice 10 new things from your way. So these little practices. So if it's important to you, you just pay attention to that and follow it. Mm -hmm. I I really like it. And before we were saying like there's no like like negative, like learning could be never negative. But from, from this, um, I was thinking maybe we need to relearn some things or unlearn some things that are holding us back like this, this fear, this uh, shame around something like some like negative things that maybe are blocking our curiosity, our creativity. So if we can get co conscious about these things, maybe which we need to somehow change this belief around. Just a thought. Yeah, it's always a good idea to, uh, to, to really um, get rid of uh, the, the bad stuff. It's, uh, uh, we discussed uh, in Estonia over the last uh, weeks and months uh, more about this mental health issues in general. And, and this is definitely something that may block you from going or may push you to do too much. So, uh, so, uh, so, so, so if, if there is a way to, to get to know, um, maybe hopefully just personally unlearning it or sometimes actually having help and support to figure it out what your what your barriers or what your triggers are and and then then actually be more uh, aware and more there more agentic in your choices can can really be helpful too um so uh, i was uh, i was listening to to peter saying uh, that you have to create space uh, uh, for for your curiosity or or create space, uh, but also this this means uh, when your question was before also how we can do it then then that means uh, we have to uh, 
uh, as uh, you know, as institutions, as as work organizations, as uh, schools, uh, actually create those spaces. So we have to say that uh, that this uh, this time here. Like uh, you, you shouldn't be overburdened with just doing the same things that you've been always doing. There is a dedicated time for everyone to to actually take uh, take it slower and and think about uh, maybe have those uh, talks uh, with the HR department or or your study counselors really about uh, what is it because people uh, can do a lot alone, but. But there's so much that uh, they can achieve when they are with other people. So when uh, when just interacting with other people, hearing their stories, but also act have someone paying this attention to you is really helpful. And and when 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 I think back to the studies uh, that were carried out in the university, also about the early school leavers in you know those those who leave university early in the sense that uh, without uh, they, they just drop out so uh, so so some of the things that they really need or would need is just someone to to see them someone to actually ask how you are doing and and in this uh, uh, country uh, and maybe in this era we are more likely um, feeling this is too personal even to ask. So uh, so if your study counselor would actually see you as a person or you would feel that they see you as a person, because of course, maybe they all do, uh, but, but you don't feel that you're treated with dignity, uh, then that totally, totally builds barriers between you and your curiosity and the environment that you're in. So, so we have to allow everyone to, to feel this dignity. And this is so much about how we organize our work, how we organize studies, how we talk to people, what language are our guidelines uh, in terms of what are the words that we use there and, and who do we extend this courtesy of seeing them. And, and I think this is, this is really important. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it's beautiful. And this slowing down and really taking taking time, which we don't know even how to do anymore, but we can learn. <laughs> I would um, touch um, on this formal education versus informal education, non-formal education as well. Do we have to make a difference here? Do we have to draw a line in between these three and... Um, or maybe we should try to integrate them. What, what is your take on this? So uh, uh, if, if we think about how learning works, then we could say, like, uh, let's just integrate it because isn't learning the same learning everywhere if a learning is a personal thing that, that you go through? Uh, but uh, but these these different uh, contexts, I mean, this formal uh, learning context, non-formal learning context, uh, these really are just different environments. They work a little differently. Uh, they create, they bring with themselves a little different environment. So if we use the methods that uh, that we know uh, have been efficient, efficient in creating learning uh, in non-formal uh, settings, and we now decide to also apply them in formal settings more. So we obviously we have to ask if they are helping us to 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 fulfill their, the aims or if they are. Uh, where do they disturb? Where are they in conflict with our ordinary values? 
And, and what happens if there's too much conflict in, in different sets of the same formal institution where we provide different kinds of learnings? So, uh, so, so, so you could say that also what I mentioned before, that, uh, that we want every skill to be recognized, so that means it has to be put on paper. That also creates demands for the non-formal learning settings to formalize a little more because uh, for to be able to say that we have enough quality and the skills that you learn actually are skills, even if you learn them online. So, so you have to have some standards and procedures in place, but doesn't that take away something from what is the non-formal education setting? So, so what is meant to be a different thing? So, 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 uh, so this is uh, this is a really interesting uh, debate, uh, which is actually a real political debate and also uh, a theoretical debate. Uh, so, 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 what are the what are the boundaries between those, and how important are those boundaries to keep? And if we mix those. Uh, those elements from from formal learning and give them, you know, give certificates uh, in in non formal education, or take elements from how what methods we use in non formal education, bring them to the university setting or, or or high school setting. So what do we have to what do we have to lose? What do we have to win? How do we uh, guarantee we don't lose the things that are important, or that we only win the things that are important? So, so, uh, so, so I think we haven't been really thinking, uh, thinking through how uh, how to do it all together. So that means we first have to really understand what they are when they are different. I mean, when we acknowledge there is formal education, what does that even mean? In Estonia, it is one thing. Uh, in, uh, in in UK, it's a totally different thing. In some other countries' context, uh, yet again. So we use this formal learning in Estonia, knowing sort of what it is, but then it doesn't even apply generally, more generally. So so if we say that this is something that there is a curriculum and you can get a diploma, so what does it, uh, where does it put us if we also allow people to just come and study one course in a university without getting any diploma. So because this is, of course, we are open. Is that then formal education or is that non-formal education? Or where is it? Because it's not part of your curriculum, even though it is helping you to fill the curriculum over 100 years of time if you go one course by uh, by year. So so, so there, there is confusion, but, but I guess it's important to, to just know why we make the differences if we make the differences. If we emphasize the difference, why why it is important. Okay, and now it's time to ask for your definition of lifelong learning. What does lifelong learning mean to you? I, I, by the way, I, I, I don't actually like this term very much because uh, in most uh, contexts where it's used, uh, it really is empty because it doesn't have this, uh, this uh, specifics to it. And uh, and when it uh, when you go to the specifics of what Wikipedia definition said, then there's so much I can't agree with, right? I mean, I would question it because there's too many specifics. So uh, so, but but when I just see it, I never know what it what it means for that person who used it. So so this is a really, I mean, in, in, it's a it's a good question. I think I would settle with uh, 
it's 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 learning throughout your life. Uh, I think I would also want us to understand that without uh, throughout life means that uh, the babies uh, who go and take their parents to those study circles to learn to sing songs are also agents of uh, that kind of uh, lifelong learning because they bring their parents there. But so so the lifelong. Uh, means really not just adults or past uh, past your university but uh, but throughout life really and and learning uh, but i would uh, from my background i would pay more attention to how it's organized and do we get everyone having the access if they want to do we not stigmatize so it's but, but in general it's the lifelong learning context then yeah, I would also echo that it, it is a lifelong uh, process and, and maybe this life fight that that everyday life has a as a context for learning. But maybe also that that everybody has a right to be learning. Uh, that I would also maybe want to highlight that we all have, no matter where, where we are living or how old we are, that we we somehow uh, entitled to that, it's our, uh, I would even say, maybe human right to be learning. Okay, and um, one last thought for the listeners to take with them. So we talked about lifelong learning as a process, so how to enjoy this process as much as possible. Are we even able to enjoy? <laughs> so uh, not, not just learning, but how good are we in enjoying so that is the first thing to learn yourself to enjoy how to enjoy lifelong learning is probably really best to still be in the process be able to reflect the process maybe maybe that but uh, again from my perspective you can enjoy it if you are safe if you feel good so it's up to the system to help you to enjoy it by making it safe inspiring and and by treating you with dignity. For me, the word that uh, goes hand in hand with learning is meaningful. Mm. So, so yeah, what has meaning to you? So I think uh, that's very important to uh, ask also from yourself as, as a learner. What uh, yeah, what gives meaning? Uh, like why, why somehow learning uh, yeah enriches your life? Mm. And maybe not to worry so much about uh, what is the format or context, uh, but but I come still back for this uh, following curiosity aspect that I, I somehow it speaks to me and 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 I, for me this principle has worked and it, it has really taken to me uh, on my learning path, which I think has been very enriching. And then also I would maybe encourage to. Uh, look for different ways of learning also knowing that if you talk about a learner then it's not only about I don't know acquiring knowledge but but maybe uh, think uh, more of ourselves as, as someone who moves every day so how your body learns for example so so thinking about what can you learn so that your body is uh, nurtured for example so so we are holistic human beings so the places where where we learn from are so, so diverse. Uh, so where are you, these little informal groups? Mm -hmm. I, to, 
mentioned nature several times. I'm the, I think the only informal group that I really learn are the the one where bird watchers uh, put photos of birds because then uh, I also remember some of the things I've seen in nature, for example. But I really picture, and then if you don't know, you ask, and maybe that's also something that we should be doing more. That if you do not know, then you ask. You dare to ask questions, uh, not to be afraid that it's silly ones, but just ask questions. Uh, if we don't know that it's something that we should also do more uh, often, uh, why are the things the way they are? Uh, so I think, uh, yeah, trying different things and different ways and places of learning as well and, and bring this playfulness also in, in adult learning, for example. And, uh, and not to think about, am I created? Do I get a certificate? Uh, yeah, in, and see if you are learning together with others, uh, your group members, they are always such a big source for learning as well. And if you happen to not enjoy this, you can actually quit and start something else. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Every good thing has to come to an end. I'm so happy we got into this flow. We even lost track of time, but I think that's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. Maybe we need to even do episode two because there's so much to talk about. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting. And yeah, what to say? Have many meaningful learning experiences in life. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for listening.